some of my background and testimony. So I thought I'd start out with a story. Wait, I can't tell that story. But let me tell you what happened another time. This is hot. Oh, no, my wife said I couldn't share that one. What about when I was like 14 years old? No, not that one. He just killed that story. So I'm going to have to leave all that behind and stick with my religious upbringing. So the other stories you'll have to read in a book sometime. So I'm going to go with my religious background and how I, how I met God and how that affects who I am today. And so before I start, I'm going to reread a scripture that I read a few weeks ago because this scripture really tells the background of everything I've been through growing up. So it's from Matthew 16:16. 16, 16. Jesus said to them, he said to his disciples, he said to the 12 apostles, the ones who would be the future church leaders, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Which means he was telling the apostles, as I said a few weeks ago, be careful that the teachings of the religious leaders that are resisting me, that are fighting the move of God, that are trying to kill me, make sure that their teachings don't come in the church. And it was their teachings that was the, re- the root of the religion I grew up in because I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ. And I grew up in a, in a Jewish household. And the first part of my life had everything to do with who are called the Sadducees. Now, neither the Sadducees nor the Pharisees exist anymore, but their teaching formed the basis of Orthodox Judaism and religion. See, I I grew up in a household that reminds me of the Sadducees. Let, Let me tell you something of who the Sadducees were. They believed in God. They sort of worshipped Him. But they didn't believe there was any heaven. They didn't believe there was anything beyond this world. So it's okay to do whatever you want while you're here because there's not going to be any real consequence. So it's all about power. It was all about finances. See, the Sadducees, those were the guys who worked in the temple and robbed the people blind. Remember Jesus, he, he made a whip and he drove them out. See, these were religious leaders, but their heart was not really for the things of God. Their heart was, what can I get now? And here's what the Sadducees did. They were able to separate their life out. See, here's the part I give to God. On Saturdays, I go to the temple or whenever, and we have a good time in the Lord. But that has nothing to do with my business. That has nothing to do with who I am at home. But after all, it's good to have a nice religious atmosphere, some part of your life. It's good to be part of a religious community. And that's what the Sadducees were all about. They, they were able to have God sometime, but it's okay. You don't need them all the time. 
One businessman once told me, well, I don't mix business and religion. It's okay to cheat people. It's okay to be immoral. That has nothing to do with it because Saturday I'll go to the synagogue and I'll say a few prayers and everything will be right with God. And that, that's basically what I grew up in. See, in my home, I grew up in what's called Reform Judaism, which is just like the Pharisees, which means Reform Judaism is, I'm not going to get too carried away with this religious stuff. It's okay for, it's okay for the holidays and, and we used to, in my home, celebrate some of the holidays. On Passover in the spring, we had a special dinner. And on Hanukkah in the winter, you know, the, they have those menorahs, those candelabras. We used to light them. I used to go on the big holidays to the synagogue, and everything would be right again. We used to have, go to ten people's bar mitzvahs. See, you're going to amaze your friends tomorrow with all these words. A bar mitzvah is for Jewish people when they turn 13. What they believe is at the age of 13 that you, a, a boy becomes a man and he becomes accountable so they'll have a ceremony. So I went to this ceremony, that thing. But there was nothing of God the rest of the time in my house. It was just like the Sadducees. We had some form of religion. The rest of the time was all drinking, cursing, violence. You couldn't find God anywhere in my house. Except on Saturday mornings if I was forced to go to the synagogue. Now, the synagogue, here's another word for you. A synagogue is like a church where Jewish people go. But otherwise, God meant very little. Now I'm going to fast forward a, a little bit in my life, leaving all the good parts out. I'm going to pass by all that stuff, and, and I'm going to fast forward, and then I'm going to come back again to my teenage years. But years later, about 22 years ago, I prayed to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior because there were people in my job that kept after me. I kept telling them they're crazy, that they don't know what they're talking about, that the church just wants their money, they're being deceived. But they didn't give up on me. And one day, I sat knelt down in the church and received Jesus as Savior. So don't give up on the ones that you're praying for. I, I don't care if they resist you, they call you names. I'm, I'm a living example. But then as soon as I get saved, you know what I found about the church? A lot of Sadducees, a lot of people who are able to separate the, the God part of their life from the rest. From the first day, I called my mother. I says, I, I received Jesus as my Savior. And she started crying because she didn't. that's a hard thing for Jewish people to hear because they believe that once you receive Jesus, that you've gone away from the faith, even though we know that Jesus was Jewish, and it's really a fulfillment of the faith. And you know what my mother told me? She said, well, 
I guess it's good because I know a lot of pastors because my mother was a bartender and every Friday night she said they'd come and sit and drink with me. But those same pastors, when they're in church, praise God. They're speaking the word. But they're able to have that Sadducee spirit right there in the, in the church. And I'm going to separate out who I am. When I'm in church, I praise God. But when I have fun, I have fun. When, I, when I'm out with women, I'm not telling you what I'm doing. But, but it's okay because, because I go to church. I'm a pastor. I got a title. Then I went to work on that Monday. And I, I used to be a teacher of young children. And I told the assistant teacher, he happened to be homosexual. I said, well, I received the Lord. And he said, wow, on Saturday night in my club. He said, we were out clubbing all night. And I always remember the words. And he said, and we partied hard. And then around 7 o'clock in the morning, after dancing and drinking, he said, all of a sudden people would start going to the lockers and putting their suits on. They say, where are you going? We're going to church. It's, we're singing in the choir. We got to be the usher. We got to be there. We're faithful church members. This was my first day of being a Christian. <laughs> then I turned on the TV. I, I want to show you who Sadducees are in modern day church. I saw all these rock stars, they were showing them behind one of those behind the scenes shows, and they had these big crosses. I said, wow, they must be Christians. And wait till you hear this. They gathered in a circle, began to pray. And I said, praise God. The next thing I knew, they took off half their clothes and they'd be shaking their booty all over the stage. But you know, that's okay because that, that's what I do at work. That's who I am out there, but as long as I pray, as long as, as I thank God, everything is okay. You see, there's a separation. And that's what the Sadducees are all about. See, God's not satisfied with a part of your life. He wants every area, every aspect. And I know we all struggle. Every one of us, we're, we're in a battle. We're, we're all trying to make it the best we can. But never develop that mindset that says, well, here's my religious life over here, but it's nobody's business what I do. I get on the stage, I'll be cursing, and then I start seeing all, the, all these entertainers who make all these music videos that degrade women, and then they come. I just want to thank God for allowing me to make this sex video. Come on, yo. I started to see these things, and it almost caused me to fall away from the, in the first week. Recently, on a Christian station, there was a famous comedian on who happens to be a Christian. And you'd know him if I said who he was. And you know what he said? 
He looked in the camera. He said, don't judge me by what I do on stage. I know all that cursing and ridiculing women and all, all that sex talk, but that's not who I really am. This is the real me, the guy looking in the camera and praying. That's why Jesus said, Beware of the teachings of the Sadducees. Don't, don't, don't allow your life to be separated. Well, at work, I act how I gotta be one of the guys, but don't worry, Pastor, on Sunday morning, I got my Bible, I'm ready to go. Beware if that's you. Now I'm going to go back again into my childhood by the time I was a teenager, because even back then I got tired of that kind of dead religion, fake religion, once a year religion. And I started, even at the age of 16, I started to get a hunger for God, which I still can't explain, except that God put it in me. But I had no real way to seek Him. I never heard anything about Jesus. So you know what I did? I started to get really religious. I started to go to the synagogue. And before you know it, I went away to a Jewish boarding school called the Yeshiva, And I was studying to be a Jewish rabbi, which is the word for teacher. I wanted to have my own synagogue one day. So before I explain more about the next phase of my life, i got to talk about the the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees that Jesus said to beware of, I spoke a little bit about them the last time. They're the hypocrites. They're the stone throwers, the elitists. We're way up here and everyone else is way down there. And they're just ready to beat you up, to judge you, to throw rocks at you. But see, they were different, totally different than the Sadducees. The Pharisees... Every minute of their life is consumed with religion. See, the Sadducees, I'm good, I'm going on Saturday morning, or once a year I'm lighting a candle. That's it, I'm okay. Not the Pharisees. With the Pharisees, as soon as they woke up in the morning, they started to follow the rules, the rituals. You can't, if in Jewish law, you can't walk more than 10 feet without washing your hands. You have to say a certain prayer. There's rules. You gotta wear certain hats. You can only wear certain clothes. I gotta light this candle on that day, another candle on another day. There's a certain way to walk. You have to walk slightly bent over. You can't just wash your hands any old way. If you want to please God, they have these rituals where I pour the water three times and three times on the other hand, and then you can't talk between the time you washed your hands and you ate. Otherwise, the prayer was canceled and you had to say it again. That's That's Phariseeism, and that's what I discovered when I went into the into the yeshiva. When I said I'm going to go after God, I'm going to get serious. I went to this Jewish school, and that's what I got hit with. 
You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't think for yourself because we've had great rabbis from the past. So who do you think you are to begin to question our beliefs? And more than anything else, they presented to me a picture of an angry, distant God. See, last week the Jewish people celebrated a a special holy day called Yom Kippur. You know about it because there was no, you were able to cancel the alternate parking. Your kids didn't go to school. So you know it was that day. But can I explain to you a little bit about that day in Jew, in Judah, Jewish religion? Between Rosh Hashanah, which is the week before, and the Day of Atonement were ten days, and they were called the Ten Days of Awe, A-W-E, because the Jewish people believe that for those ten days, The gates of heaven open and God will listen to you. The rest of the year, forget it. But for those ten days, that's why you ever see them at the wailing wall? I asked one of them, what's it like? He said, it's like talking to a wall. Because God is far away. That's what I learned. He got nothing to do with me. He don't know me. But for those ten days, somehow I had to convince God to give me a good year. Because here's what Jewish people believe. That if you did more bad than good in the past year then God is going to punish you. He might kill you. He might not write your name in the book of life and you're wiped out. So they give you ten days to make up for it. So for those ten days, the Jewish people, they give a lot of money to charity. They help old ladies across the street. Whatever it takes to try to convince God because God is dying to get me. See, that's the picture that they give. And then they stand in the synagogue on the Day of Atonement, and they don't eat anything the whole day. They don't drink the whole day. They don't wear comfortable shoes. They can't wash their face. And they sit in the synagogue and beat themselves on the chest, just hoping, if I make myself suffer enough, maybe God will forgive me. Maybe he'll change his mind from giving me a bad year. Maybe I can somehow pay for my own sins. And that that was the picture that I got in that yeshiva. And you know what I did? It didn't take me too long to decide I don't believe in God at all. If that's who God is, I don't want him. I'd rather go back to the world. And I became an atheist and, and I wrote papers trying to prove that there was no God. He didn't exist. Because if that's him, if he's that angry, if he's ready to hit me at, at any moment, then what do I want to do with him? Now I'm going to fast forward again back to the when I got saved. I went to, I started going to the church, 
And what do you think I heard in the church? God is angry at you. He, you better watch out. Or he's gonna, he's out to punish you. That God is far away. You know, you know what the impression I got even when I started going to church? That God is moody. Uh, he's unpredictable. I don't know if he likes me or he don't. Do you, Pastor George, you're a pastor? Do you know? I, I don't know. He, he's up there. Maybe he's in a bad mood and I'm in trouble. But he's so far away and distant. There was no talk about really knowing him. It's not, it wasn't anything about a relationship. And God's love was great, but you had to earn it. And I found myself beating myself up like when I was a religious Jew, thinking somehow if I suffer enough, maybe Jesus will love me more. But can I tell you that no matter how much you suffer, Jesus already paid the price. He took the punishment for your sin. And I always tell people, you don't have to make yourself suffer anyway. There's a lot of people around who will help you out. But you don't have to try to convince God to bless you, to give you a good year. The Bible says He's for you. He's not against you. He has plans to bless you and prosper you. Say, I, I never, all the years I was in church, I never heard about that God. It seemed to be the same God almost that I learned about in the synagogue. Yes, I heard God loves you, but what did that mean? It wasn't a personal love. You see, I'm going to read the scripture from Revelation chapter 2. That gives us a picture how the spirit of the Pharisees could come into a church. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and, and are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Doesn't that sound like a good church? They're persevering, they're doing the work, they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. But do you know what he said after that? Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. See, the word shows me I believe the lie. Christianity isn't mostly about what the church can get you to do, even though I'm believing God that the years for me of my greatest work and fruitfulness is still ahead. So I'm not saying the work is, I'm believing God I'm going to do more than I ever have in my life. But that's not what Christianity is mostly about. That's the spirit of the Pharisees deceiving the church. Christianity is mostly about a God that loves you, that He knows you, that He's calling you, that He's with you.
You see, you can keep every ritual, custom, tradition, law, rule, requirement, and ordinance and still have a bitter, adulterous, and rebellious heart. Because what you do has no power to change you. It's all about Him. See, church, everything, all that you have, all that you are, He's right there in the center. And what He wants is your heart. I want to read a quote from the 19th century, a woman named Hannah Smith. And here's what she wrote more than a hundred years ago. Many Christians still at bottom look upon God as one of the most selfish, self-absorbed beings in the universe, far more selfish than they could think it right to be themselves, intent only upon his own honor and glory, looking out continually that his own rights are never trampled on, and so absorbed in thoughts of himself and of his own righteousness as to have no love or pity to spare for the poor sinners who have offended him. See, God's not up there looking down in anger at you, waiting for your first mistake. See, that's a lie. He loves to see you prosper. He loves it when, when, when you move ahead. And even when you fail, even if you fall, Jesus sees your heart. He sees that your heart is moving towards him. You're struggling. You're fighting. It's hard. But he's looking at your heart and he sees that in spite of everything, that you still cry out, that you still love him. In spite of everything you heard, I want to tell you something from the Lord. God is proud of you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not angry at you. Because he sees that there's still a hunger for you, a hunger for him in you. I'm going to read one last scripture. And and then Lee's going to come. This is from the the Song of Solomon, which is a picture of the love of God for his for his church, the love of Jesus for his people. He said, it's, I'm just going to read from a few different verses. You've captured my heart, dear friend. You've looked at me and I fell in love. One look my way and I was hopelessly in love. How beautiful your love, dear, dear friend. That's you. Far more pleasing than a fine, rare wine. Your fragrance more exotic than select spices. Dear, dear friend and lover. Did you know that you're God's dear friend and lover? Yes, you. The one who's sitting here that forgot to pray all week. You messed up a bunch of times. You said a bad word. You cut someone off. And God is saying he's your friend and lover. You're as beautiful as tears, a city of delights, lovely as Jerusalem, city of dreams, the ravishing visions of my ecstasy. Your beauty is too much for me. I'm in over my head. 
Do you hear the heart of God, who He really is? Again, I'm sorry for any way where church has portrayed God to you, that they painted a picture for to you of an angry, jealous God that, that's just read He's after you, and it's all He cares about is Himself. He loves you more than His own life, and He proved it on the cross. God gave everything that He had just to gain your love. I'm going to ask Lee to come right now. And God, something supernatural is going to happen right now. God is going to begin to sing out His love through Lee. So just begin to receive the voice of the Lord because God still today. He still knows you today.
infinite love. And, and that's what we're all about. That's what this church is all about. It's knowing Him. And no matter who tries to put that fire out, no matter who tries to resist you, Jesus is there to set you free because He's near you, He's with you, and He loves you with an unconditional love that even if you try to walk away, He'll follow you to the ends of the earth. The Bible says even if you try to go down into hell, He'll come and try to pull you out. Whatever it takes, it's a relentless love. It's a fiery, passionate love. And Jesus is not that guy on the screen. He's not this distant ruler. But He speaks to you. He has a plan for you. So this is how I want to end today. I'm going to call for those in the prophetic team to come forward. And also for the worship team and I'm also going to ask for those in the healing ministry because we've had some serious prayer requests for healing today including a, a, a child that's battling leukemia so we're going to spend time today praying and the reason I ask for the prophetic team because we want to demonstrate the, the, the heart of God to you, that He knows you. So they're here to give you an encouraging word. They're not here to expose you. They're not here to beat you up. But they're here today to demonstrate to you that God knows you right where you are. So if you could begin to play...